Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. My name is David. I am your instructor, your host, on this wonderful, fabulous, um, amazing, dare I say, journey through the world of the massage and bodywork licensing exam. Uh, so, as always, I do have some news. Of course, my brand new 2019 edition of my uh, Mblex Test Prep Study Guide is available right now. You can find that on my website, mblextestprep.com, or on amazon.com. Just search for Mblex Test Prep. If you don't see my name on the book, it's not mine. <laughs> Just just throwing that out there. So look for, uh, or you can search for my name, David Merlino on Amazon. It'll come up. Uh, so this, this book is brand new. It's expanded from all of my other editions. I always add things and possibly even subtract things. It's, it's a more well-rounded book than any book that I've released so far. Uh, definitely worth the price. Now it is, uh, Discounted a little bit, $5 off right now from the normal $59.99. I think Amazon is running a, uh, a special right now where you can get an additional $5 off if you purchase anything over $20. So that'll knock the price of that book down even further, down to $49.99. So go on, get your copy right now if you are studying for the Mblex. There is no book better at preparing you for the Mblex than my study guide, the Mblex Test Prep Complete Study Guide for the Mblex 2019 editions. Go on there, check that out, pick one up for yourself, and then please, all I ask is you leave a review of said book on Amazon for me. Reviews go a long way towards helping me make a living, etc., etc., and I would extremely appreciate it. Okay, so when we come back really quick, uh, we will get started. Welcome back. I'm going to say something extremely raunchy right now. Some lovers try positions that they can't handle. Let's just uh, let that marinate for a second. Some lovers try positions that they can't handle. So no, this isn't an X-rated podcast or anything like, like that. That's one of the easy ways that you can remember the carpals. Okay, so we're going to talk about, today we're going to talk about the carpals and the tarsals. Okay, specifically just the bones. I'm not talking about muscles that attach to them um, necessarily. Maybe a couple of them I'll, I'll mention, but for the most part, we're just talking about the bones. So on your exam, you may have questions about specific carpals or specific tarsals, and you need to know, you know which bone is a carpal, which bone is a tarsal. And in certain cases, which muscles attach to them, which bones articulate with them, what kind of bones some of these are. So let's talk about the carpals and the tarsals. So we'll start first with the carpals. Some lovers try positions that they can't handle. I keep saying that. I want, I want you to kind of drill that into your head. Okay. So how the carpals are aligned is we have two sets, two rows of carpals, a proximal line, which is going to be closer to the rest of the body, and a distal line that's further away from the body. Okay, The proximal line is going to articulate with the radius and the ulna. The distal line is going to articulate with the metacarpals. Okay, 
So let's start with the proximal line. Okay. Well, the first uh, the first four words, some lovers try positions, that refers to the f- the first four carpels, the carpels that are in the proximal line of the carpels. Okay. So with the carpels, uh, when it comes to the lines, we always work from lateral to medial in the anatomical position. Okay, so we're we're going from the side of the thumb to the side of the ulna or the pinky. Okay, so the first carpal is going to start with an S. And play along, see if you can come up with these in your head uh, as we go through. And the first carpal starts with an S, and that's that's the carpal that corresponds to some. Okay, first carpal is called the scaphoid. Okay. The next carpal over, lovers, is the lunate. So we got scaphoid, lunate. Then, then the next one starts with a T, tri. I mean, that's a, you, you can even kind of match that up. Tri with tri of triquetrum. Now, I used to work for a school where the... Uh, Lead instructor used to write triquetrium. There is no second I in triquetrum. It is just triquetrum. Uh, so make sure you're not making that mistake. So we got scaphoid, lunate, triquetrum. And then positions. Starts with a P. We have pisiform. Okay, so those four bones make up the proximal line of the carpals. Scaphoid, lunate, triquetrum, pisiform. And then, by so if you're following along on your hand, we start over um, on the side of the thumb, and then we slowly move over to the side of the pinky. So now that we're done with the proximal line, we're starting on the distal line. So we have to go all the way back over to the thumb. Okay? So now we're on the distal line. We're a little further away. These bones, again, will articulate with the, with the metacarpals. Okay? So we got some lover's tripositions. The next two both start with T's. That they. Okay? So the first one, all the way next to the thumb. Kind of sounds like a muscle in your back. Kind of. Well, I guess they both do, don't they? The first one in the distal line is the tri, uh, trapezium. Excuse me. Trapezium. Okay. And then the next one is trapezoid. So we got trapezium, trapezoid, that they. Then we got can't handle, CH. So the next two one starts with a C, one starts with an H. So the one that starts with a C, so we should be about halfway, a little over halfway past the the middle point of the hand, the, the midline of the hand, if there is a midline of the hand. Use your imagination. So we should be kind of lined up with the ring finger now. So C is capitate, okay? So... Trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, and then the last one starts with an H. 
Now this one, a lot of a lot of people know this one. You should know this one. There is a hook on it. It is the hamate. Okay. So trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, hamate are the four bones of the distal line of the carpals. Okay. So some lovers try positions that they can't handle. Scaphoid, lunate, triquetrum, pisiform, trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, hamate. You should be able to name all of those in order just by remembering that little saying, okay? So make sure you, you kind of, again, get that drilled into your skull. Some lovers try positions that they can't handle. Okay, so let's talk about a few of these individual bones. Uh, most of these you don't really need to know a whole lot about, just that they're part of the carpals, uh, maybe where they are, but no specific notes about any of these carpals. Okay, so, or most of them anyway. So there are three that we are going to discuss that you need to know something about, okay? So one of these carpals, now th uh, hopefully you, you have been paying attention to where these carpals are. Okay, remember we have the proximal line and the distal line. The proximal line goes from lateral to medial. The distal line goes from lateral to medial. Okay, so which one of these carpals? Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna read them off again, off the top off the top of my head. I don't I don't have any notes in front of me. Scaphoid, lunate, triquetrum, pisiform, trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, hamate. One of those articulates with the radius. Now, this does require you to know where the radius is in the body. So let's talk about the radius and the ulna. So we got two bones in the forearm, right? So in the anatomical position, is the radius on the medial side or the lateral side? Now, put your, put your body into that position. Now, if you're driving, maybe, I don't know, keep one hand on the steering wheel. Um, and just think about it. Is the radius on the medial side or the lateral side of the forearm? In the anatomical position, it is on the lateral side of the forearm. And remember, our carpals start from lateral to medial, from out to in. So we're, we're looking for the first bone on the proximal line because it's the most lateral, right? So the very first bone that we talk about, scaphoid. Scaphoid articulates with the radius. Now on scaphoid, there is kind of a rounded surface That is called a condyle, okay? On the radius, there is kind of a small cavity. It's called an elliptical cavity. Um, so this, it, it creates a kind of joint called a condyloid joint or an elliptical joint. Now, this joint, this type of joint allows, it, it's really similar to a ball and socket joint. But instead of, the, instead of a ball and socket joint being able to move in really any direction, this type of joint. Uh, the condyle isn't as big as a ball, and the elliptical cavity is not as deep as the socket, so we only get a little bit of movement um, going on. I mean, you, you can move that, of course, just not as much movement is allowed as a ball and socket joint. So it allows us to flex and extend, adduct and abduct, but you cannot rotate, and that's kind of the difference between that and uh, a ball and socket joint, where you can rotate a ball and socket joint. Um, cannot rotate in elliptical or condyloid joint. So scaphoid articulates with the radius and creates a, an elliptical or condyloid joint. Okay, One of these articulates with the metacarpal of the thumb 
which creates the only saddle joint in the body. Okay, so when we first started talking, again, we're to a proximal line and distal line. The proximal line articulates with the radius and the ulna, right? The distal line articulates with the metacarpals. So again, think about your anatomical position and where the thumb is in the anatomical position. It's going to be on the same side as the radius, right? Kind of lines up with that. So it's going to be on the lateral side. So we're looking for the first carpal in the distal line of carpals. It's going to start with a T. That carpal is trapezium. Okay, so trapezium articulates with the metacarpal of the thumb and again creates the only saddle joint in the body. Now saddle joints are, are called saddle joints because they have surfaces. They sit on top of each other and their surfaces are shaped like saddles. Okay, so it would be easier if you could actually see me, but it does allow a lot more movement than just the other uh uh, metacarpal, uh, carpal metacarpal joints, excuse me, my, as my brain stops working, the other carpal metacarpal joints, um, that only allow flexioning and, and extension. Okay. Um, so op opposable thumbs, of course. Okay. So trapezium articulates with the metacarpal of the thumb to create the only saddle joint in the body. Now you do have two, one on each hand, of course, um, but that's the only place in the body that you're going to find a saddle joint. Okay. Now moving on. One of these bones is a sesamoid bone. Okay. So a sesamoid bone is a bone that is shaped like a sesame seed and that's where it gets its name. Okay. Oid means resembling. Uh, so a sesamoid bone resembles a sesame seed. So it's got a kind of a small circular shape. Sesamoid bones are also bones that are embedded inside of tendons. So this bone is going to be in a tendon. Okay. So which bone do you think is going to be smaller, have a rounder shape, and be inside of a tendon? And a lot of people... Um, Think that this bone is kind of going away as we evolve. Over time, this bone is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and eventually that bone's not going to be there anymore. This is the fourth bone on the proximal line of the carpals. Starts with a P. It is pisiform. Okay, so pisiform is a sesamoid bone. It is small, circular, kind of looks like a sesame seed, and it is embedded inside of a tendon. Okay, so those are really the only three carpals that you need to know anything about. Okay, so we got scaphoid articulating with the radius, and it creates uh, that joint specifically. The, the name of that joint is the radiocarpal joint, uh, but it, the type of joint is elliptical or condyloid. Okay, trapezium articulates with the metacarpal of the thumb, and that creates the only saddle joint in the body. And then pisiform is a sesamoid bone. Okay, so those are really the only three carpals that you need to know anything 
more about. Okay, so some lovers try positions that they can't handle. Scaphoid, lunate, triquetrum, pisiform, trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, hamate. Um, geez, memorize those and read, uh, then, then say them off the top of your head to your instructor. They'll be really impressed. I would be. Man. Come to think of it, I don't, I don't think I had any students that knew all of the carpals off the top of their head until they were done with my class, of course. Um, okay, anyways, moving on. So let's move on to the tarsals. So we got the carpals in the hand, in the, in the wrist, I should say. Um, then we got the tarsals, which make up the ankle, okay? So I don't... <laughs> I don't have any specific saying to help remember the tarsals. Now, I, I, I had a student once who came up with something extremely racist that I will not be repeating. Um, so, I mean, if you're trying to think of something, don't make it wildly racist or anything like that. Like that's, that's not going to help. Um, although I still remember it to this day, so I don't know. Um, Anyway, so if, listen, if, if any of you have a way to remember the tarsals, something like some lovers try positions, etc., uh, if anybody has a good way to remember the tarsals like that, then email me, david at com, and I will throw it into my next uh, podcast and give you full credit, of course. Uh, maybe even use it in my study guide with permission, of course. Okay, so... The tarsals are, in my opinion, are not as difficult to remember as the carpals. And there's, uh, there are a couple reasons why. There aren't as many tarsals. There are only seven tarsals as opposed to eight carpals. And three of the tarsals have the same name. They're just numbered, one, two, or three, or, or medial, intermediate, and lateral. Okay, so you just remember that name, and that cuts a couple of them off, so you only have maybe five names to remember instead of eight separate names to remember. Okay, so let's, uh, and there's no real order to the, to the tarsals. Um, so you're, it, it's just kind of whatever. <laughs> They're all over the place. So I guess we'll start from biggest to smallest, Okay. Uh, so the bone that creates the heel starts with a C. Now, a lot of there, the tendon that connects to it is named after that bone specifically. Uh, and that tendon can, um, tear. It does have another name, this tendon. This tendon is named after the, uh, the Greek legend of Achilles, but I prefer the actual name of this tendon. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just my scientific uh, background coming out. Starts with a C. It is the calcaneus. Okay, So that the name of the tendon that connects to the calcaneus is the calcaneal tendon or the Achilles tendon. Okay. Um, so that produces the heel. Okay. Sitting right on top of the calcaneus is, an, is, is a separate bone that starts with a T. Okay. This bone is known as the talus, T-A-L-U-S. Some people say talus, um, whatever. The fun thing about anatomy is you can pronounce it any way you want. Um, so talus is the bone that sits directly on top of the calcaneus. Okay. 
Then just a little bit distal to that, articulating with the calcaneus. Um, geez, it's, it's kind of hard to describe this bone. You just got to get a picture, I suppose. Uh, if you have my study guide, you would have pictures. Make sure you go to Amazon.com or MblexTestPrep.com uh, and pick one up for yourself. So just, um, just distal to that, we have a bone called the navicular. Okay, So a lot of people uh, like to associate it with a boat. You know, you navigate in a boat. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it's the navicular. Okay, just next to that is a bone that that is kind of shaped. It's named after what it looks like. Okay, it kind of looks like a box or a cube. Okay, and I, yeah, what is this, the 14th podcast? I think every podcast I've said, know your medical terms, right? Okay, so cube and then resembling a cube, the suffix would be oid. So cuboid is the tarsal just next to that, okay? Then we've got those three bones, okay? So we, we just named four of them, okay? We got calcaneus, talus, navicular, and cuboid. Now the next three all have the same name. Again, they're just numbered. So all three of these bones start with a C. These bones are called the cuneiforms or cuneiforms some people again you can pronounce it any way you want i say cuneiforms okay so the cuneiforms one two and three now the order of these matches up with the order of the metatarsals okay so on the hand our digits our phalanges our meta metacarpals are all numbered one through five on the hand the first carpal or the, the first metacarpal the first phalange is the thumb okay on the foot it's the exact opposite so instead of the thumb or the or the lateral side being one through five and you go from lateral to medial on the foot you just switch that around it goes from medial to lateral okay so metatarsal one matches up to the big toe or the great toe and then you go lateral from there. Metatarsal two matches up with the second digit of the toe or of the foot. And then three, four, five. Uh, so the fifth digit of the foot would be the pinky toe. Okay. So the cuneiforms match up with that. So we have three cuneiforms. So cuneiform one lines up with the first metatarsal. So it's going to be on the medial side of the foot, just like the big toe. Okay. Cuneiform two, or the intermediate cuneiform. Again, as I said earlier, the cuneiforms can be one, two, or three, or middle, intermediate, or lateral. Okay. So cuneiform one is also known as the medial cuneiform. Cuneiform two is going to be just lateral to that, and it's going to be uh, the intermediate cuneiform. Okay, so it's going to line up with the second metatarsal. Cuneiform 3 is going to be the most lateral. So another name is the lateral cuneiform. And that's going to line up with the third metatarsal. Okay, so the again, the order of the metacarpals and the phalanges in the foot 
their numbers anyway, goes from medial to lateral. So the big toe is the first digit. And then the pinky toe is the fifth digit. Whereas on the hand, the thumb is the first and the pinky finger is the fifth. Okay. So let's talk about a couple, only two of these, uh, these tarsals that you need to know. So one of these is the bone that gastrocnemius and soleus attach to. Well, and plantaris. I mean, there, there are a decent number of, um, of muscles that actually attach to this bone. So it's this bone that's being pulled on by the calcaneal tendon when we are performing something like plantar flexion. So it lets you stand on your toes, right? So this bone is the calcaneus. Okay, so gastroc, soleus, uh, tibialis posterior, plantaris. The longest tendon in the body connects the plantaris to the calcaneus, and you should probably know that. Okay, all of those connect to the calcaneus. Okay, one of these articulates with the tibia, and that's what makes the ankle joint. Now, a lot of people think the malleoli on the tibia and the fibula are what the ankle is, but the ankle is a joint, right? So which one of these tarsals articulates with the tibia to make that joint that allows us to plantar flex and dorsiflex and evert and invert? What do you think? Which one of those bones is sitting directly on top of the calcaneus? It is the talus, okay? So talus sits directly on top of the calcaneus, and sitting directly on top of the talus is the tibia, and that's what makes the ankle joint, okay? So if you um, injure your talus in some way, you're, you're really affecting that joint, and it's going to make it difficult to move your ankle joint, okay? So again, calcaneus, Gastroc, soleus, plantaris, tibialis, posterior, all attached to the calcaneus. And with talus, the tibia sits directly on top of it, and that makes the ankle joint. Okay, so let's let's run through all of the carpals and tarsals again. The carpals, some lovers try positions that they can't handle. Scaphoid, lunar, triquetrum, pisiform, trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, hammock. The tarsals, calcaneus, talus, navicular, cuboid, cuneiforms, one, two, and three. Okay. So it's just that easy. Again, try to figure out a way to remember the uh, tarsals. And um, I mean, it's it's just that easy. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, brand new, never before heard question of the week. So now we are doing a question of the week. Okay, here we go. After a massage, the massage therapist notifies the client of stretches that the therapist thinks might help with the client's range of motion. This information would be documented under which section of SOAP notes? A, subjective. B, objective. C, assessment. D, plan. So I'll read it again. 
After a massage, the massage therapist notifies the client of stretches that the therapist thinks might help with the client's range of motion. This information will be documented under which section of SOAP notes? A. Subjective. B. Objective. C. Assessment. D. Plan. Okay, so without going into too much detail on each one of these, because who knows, that could be a potential uh, podcast in the future, all of these, uh, what the soap notes are. Excuse me as I get a drink of water, which is something that you could recommend your client do after a massage, which would fall under the same category um, that we are going to discuss. Um, <clears throat> so what do you think? What... Subjective assessment or objective assessment and plan. Soap notes. So subjective data. Now you you should know you should know all of these. Okay, um, I shouldn't have to tell you all of these. This should be an easy question. Um, so the question is basically saying the therapist is telling the client something that they should do in the meantime between massages. Right? Which section of soap notes would you write that under? So you have to know which you know what defines each one of these sections. The stuff that you write under under each one of these sections. Okay, subjective. So subjective information is something that could be left up to uh, one person's opinion. Uh, so subjective is anything that the client tells you. So if the client comes in and they are experiencing some sort of pain and they tell you that they have pain, like let's say pain in the hamstrings or something like that, that's something that you would write under subjective. It has nothing to do with anything that you say as a massage therapist. Okay, It's only what the client says. Objective is, uh, another name for objective is observation. So it's anything that you can see, anything that you can measure, things that aren't left up to opinion. So uh, an example, if you see a bruise on a client, you would put that under objective. You can see the bruise, you can measure the bruise. Um, if there's inflammation, if there's anything like that that you can see, you can feel, you can touch, you can actually measure, that goes under objective. Okay. C, assessment, is any changes that you see uh, in the client as a result of the massage. So if a client comes in with you know, pain in their neck or something like that and after the massage uh, or here's an example like let's say the head is tilted to one side just slightly and you you can physically see that okay after the massage you notice that the head is back at its normal starting position um, that's something that you would write under assessment okay if a client comes in and they have uh, an elevated right scapula Okay, and you work on that scapula and you get it to drop back down to where it's more in line with the left scapula, uh, then that's something that you would write down. Changes in the client that you can see go under assessment. Anything the client says uh, about those changes, you can also write under assessment. Client stated uh, they feel better or not as tight or better range of motion, stuff like that. So anything that you tell the client to do in between appointments, or even for their next appointment, is something that would be documented under D, plan. So the, the answer is D, plan. So stuff that you could write under plan is, again, um, increasing stretching, increasing water intake. If 
a client get comes in for like a Swedish massage, you think they'd benefit more from something like a deep tissue massage or um, a rolfing or something like that, that's something that you would write on your plan if you tell them about it. Okay, so, and, and there are reasons, man. I'm apparently I'm just doing this whole podcast on on soap notes right now. Uh, so there. There are reasons you want to do that. It's not. It's not just to remind you because you. You, oftentimes, you're not going to be the only person working on this client. So if you feel that a client, like if if they come in for a Swedish massage and you think they would benefit more from a deep tissue, you put that in your soap notes. And the next therapist that reads that is going to going to say, "Oh, well, they're signed up for a Swedish. Maybe I'll talk to them before the massage and see if they want a deep tissue." So that gets your client exactly what you need. Uh, exactly what they need. And as far as you and the business that you're working for, it, it also helps make them more money because of course, deep tissue massage, stuff like that, more specialized massage is more expensive than stuff like Swedish massage. So it's a chance to upsell as well. Okay. So don't listen, don't be afraid to upsell. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't be afraid. Uh, upselling is okay. Uh, trying to make more money is okay. Um, but of course, the the goal is getting your client exactly what they need and and what's better for them in the long run. And if, you know, if that happens to be a more expensive massage, um, then so be it. Um, so anything that you tell the client do to do, if you tell them to do yoga, um, you know, again, stretching stuff like that. Put that under plan uh, so that, you know, the next time you or another therapist sees this client, you know, like, hey, this is what I told them to do. I can ask them if they've been doing it. I can see any progress that may have been made. Okay? So that is it um, for this <laughs> exciting episode of the Inblex Test Prep Podcast. So once again, I do have the brand new Inblex Test Prep Complete Study Guide for the Inblex 2019 edition available on Amazon.com. If you go there looking for it, make sure you look for my name. If you don't see my name, it ain't my book because I put my name on it. Like Herm Edwards, I put my name on it, okay? Uh, so please buy that. Uh, it comes with unlimited practice tests online, online flashcards, online video lectures, the complete book, which has over 700 practice test questions in it, uh, comprehensive review of pretty much um, every subject and the most important things that you could possibly be tested on. It really is a great book. Please go buy it. Um, it would, it would make my day. Okay. Uh, if you do buy it again, please leave a review of that book on Amazon for me. And, uh, that would be much appreciated. I'm not going to go into that whole spiel again. Just please review my books, review my products really helps me out quite a bit. Uh, it's all I ask for this, you know, 20, 25, 30, minute podcast that I just did for you for free. Please just review my book. Um, and that's it. Until next time, again, I am David uh, signing off. Have a great day and farewell. Farewell.